Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, We may still struggle in our intimate relationships. My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach. And within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one on one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga. From my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today I'm speaking with a wonderful woman, Janet Farnsworth. She is a body confidence coach and she also calls herself a full time shame buster. Doesn't everybody need one of those? Think about how many women and men perhaps spend so much of their waking hours not liking their body. Janet can relate. She grew up and at a young age did not feel at home in her body. She then was a model, and you can imagine all the different messages she received as a model. And it took her decades to really feel at home in her body. With the help of yoga and with the、um, psychological training and work that she did. She's now sharing that and she's even written a book. And if you listen to the very end of the episode, she has a wonderful offering just for you. We both agree that we all should spend a lot more time loving this incredible body that we were given, the miracle that it is, this vehicle that carries us around and helps us interact with others. So, really enjoy this conversation I have with Janet. Good. Welcome, Janet. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. What fun. From、that. Maui, no less. I'm, I was telling you ahead of time how jealous I am. I'm sure a lot of people would love that、um, beautiful environment. So, tell us a little bit about what you do, how you came onto this path of.、Um, Not only body image, but also yoga, just all of your background that has led you, led you to where you are now.、Uh, well, the background story is essentially、um, I hated my body. And when I wasn't hating it, I was disconnected from it. 
And that was something that I realized only after I finally connected to it at the age of 40. Um, you know, the irony, of course, was I was actually anorexic and was in the modeling world. And so thought that I, you know, was connected, thought that um, I thought my body was okay. But even when I was getting a lot of reinforcement about its appearance, um, I, really inside, I was constantly judging it. You know, that, that daily, if not hourly, experience of some kind of it's not okay thought or feeling. Um, you know, there was a study recently, actually in the UK, with an enormous, um, I think it was like 20,000 women, and um, some were selected at random to be given a clicker just to click when they had the conscious awareness that they had a negative body thought. And guess how often the average woman has a negative conscious body thought? This isn't just the things that kind of run through us as a running pattern. I shall tell you. I can't even imagine. It, well, it's this is just when she actually takes a clicker out, puts it in her hand, and 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 presses the button. So it's thirty six times a day, which is on the average of uh, one to three negative body image thoughts every waking hour. So at least every hour, most of us are having some attacking thought about how we look, a face, body, or appearance. Anyway, so that's to say that my personal experience, I don't think is particularly unique, but that's probably what galvanized the work I do on the one hand. The other piece was having had a trauma as a child and on the deeper level, um, really not liking being in my body at all. So it was both what it looked like and also what it felt like. And so you had both um, this kind of negative self-talk but also a disassociation of the body due yeah. to the trauma? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the, where do you think your thoughts came from originally? If this is happening at such, such a young age, were you influenced by what you were hearing around you? I know we get so many subliminal messages that we're not even aware of, but do you, have you um, been able to kind of focus mm -hmm. or, hone in on some some key ones that were influenced the way you were thinking? Yes. Well, this is the heart of some of the things that I teach. And being able to disengage from how we think about ourselves is first understanding exactly how and why we do think about ourselves. And clearly, we all are familiar with the constant onslaught of, the, of media. We're very aware of what it looks like to turn on the television or even as the world is turning into be a more body positive, a more body accepting place, there is still always that constant <laughs> actual image of what, looks, of what looks good or how, you know, that's actually the really attainable body type, right? Even as we're seeing these other images. So we know this, <clears throat> but then to go a little bit deeper into understanding how we form our experience of our bodies is actually to understand about how we form our identity. And if you'll indulge me, I'll just explain for yes. a moment that you or we're not born having a perception of ourselves as anything. Our, our uniqueness is absolute. And we know this, right? Your face never has been nor never will be again, which is an astonishing thought. Of the billions and billions of people you are actually utterly unique, right? Absolutely, this is, this is irrefutable fact, completely unique, never before, never again. 
However, your opinion or your identity about your perception of yourself is not unique. In fact, it's the opposite. Your perception of yourself is formed in relationship to other people. So you're not born thinking you're funny. You think you're funny because you make other people laugh. You think you're smart because you test well on that exam in relationship to other people. You think you're beautiful because of what you perceive and what you're told beauty is. And there's another piece about this, which I just blows my mind every time I think about it. That at this moment, your brain is processing 90% of its information that is cued visually. So that the majority of what your brain is actually in the process of um, sorting through is what you are literally seeing with your eyes. Makes sense. You know, when we formed as a species, we live longer when we saw a tiger and reacted a mile away rather than waited, waited till we smelled the tiger and reacted, right? So this is like a biological wiring to see and to react or to take in information from what we see. So if we take those two things that our identity is formed by other people and our brains are wired to look to establish our sense of self, we're kind, I mean, I don't know if you're, viewer minds, but I'm from New York. I really want to swear. I'll say, so we're really like, oh, really yes. fucked, right? Okay, really yeah. good. Can I swear? Oh yes, of course. Okay. <laughs> we're really fucked like by wiring, you know, it's like, yeah. so, so as a, as a biological matter, as a, a primitive matter, how we think we look is how other people look. So we're set up to compare. It's why when we go to our yoga mat, it's almost impossible not to look particularly when you're a woman, because of the world that we're surrounded by, and look and see, oh, her bottom looks different than mine. My thigh today looks like this. My face is looking a particular way, and it happens all the time. The, the trick and the exciting thing is actually that we can, we, we can undo that. We can actually change how we are functioning in a moment, and we know this because of science. We know this because what we understand how the brain works now. We know this because of neuroplasticity. We know this because of this fascinating research about how our wiring can actually be adjusted. Um, and which actually yoga has been doing without identifying it as such for thousands of years. I mean, the fact that we combine breathing and movement and meditation is actually rewiring ourselves. That's why it feels so good after a practice. When we're like, oh, I suddenly feel calmer. I have that yoga brain, which I always do, like walk away, leave your phone or whatever, right? Because we're actually rewiring ourselves. And so, yeah, this is my favorite thing to talk about. So you have to shut me up because, yeah. No, I, I, I love it. I, I, I want to, um, I, I completely understand this concept of perception and how everything is through the framework of comparison for lack of a better word comparing yeah, like yeah, we have yeah. something that is yes. where do you think the value of mm. what a body looked like started to occur because i'm imagining before uh, there were lots mm -hmm. of extra mm -hmm. things like yes. media or yeah photographs that this probably if we go back 150 years this, yes i i'm wondering if women had the same um to some degree in, in their world, this, the same feelings about their body. Like, is this yeah. body issue in particular relatively mm -hmm. new in the modern world? 
Ooh, that's such a that's such a great question. And you know, my first response is I think about I, I actually have a PowerPoint and they have these great um, images of magazine articles from like 1853 that show women in corsets and um, and with actual uh, face paints that have arsenic and lead in them. You know, different things that we've been doing. In fact, for as long as we've been um, uh, tracking media. So yes, and the and the and the first you know the first crack yes absolutely as far as far as we can trace women have been trying to improve their bodies or make them be appealing you know and and that i think is is also it's biological wiring when we understand that as a species we want to be attractive so that we can be taken care of i mean now this i understand like some of this is politically uh fraught and um and part of what I'm here to say is that because we are wired in a particular way, it doesn't mean that we have to stay that way. That just I know what you mean in terms of like, like, you know, men are supposed to be looking strong and healthy and robust right. because we want that right. we want that as part of our, uh, you know, our, our children. Wiring. And yeah. yes, and then yeah. we're supposed to look a certain way uh, to be appealing for that reproduction. Yeah, this is biologically kind of encoded in us, it, it isn't you know, right. as primates, other primates have it in different ways, display and birds and all of that. There's right. displaying of all. So it yes. does make and, sense. Yes. And hell, it, yes, exactly. And that we look healthy, you know, the shiny hair, whatever the shiny skin, the muscle that this is actually means we're going to be able to procreate and, you know, have more children and have healthy children. So there's something I think that is deeply seated in the biology and, <laughs> and, I do think it's interesting to think about exactly what you're saying or, you know, curious about that. I think something has accelerated or that something has become even more and more, um, uh, what's the word, like almost manic about that we have to, we have to look a very specific way and it's become so important about um, how we function in the world that I think probably is more than it was, uh, you know, 200 years ago or 100 years ago. That and I and you know what it's interesting I think because I haven't thought about it I kind of want to chew it over but I think it really does probably have something to do with the pace of how we live mm -hmm. um, the fact that we are so connected like everything about us has become so amplified over this last fifty ten whatever many years that we're getting more connected but it also is accelerating you know, I don't know, maybe it's like the, the, the more we have the capacity to connect and be unified, the more we're also fracturing and dividing, you know, maybe it's something like that. The more, I mean, what I'm here to say is that it's time for us to actually shift how we experience our bodies. You know, in that same way, I feel like, you know, this whole opportunity for this greater consciousness on the planet is here and it's happening at a time when things are getting worse. Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe, so what, what are some steps we can take? Because I'm thinking about, you know, people on social media, I think being mm. older, it's, um, mm. I think it's more natural to feel a little more ease in our bodies, but we're still carrying many years, you know, if you get to a certain age, you're still carrying many years of maybe not liking the body or, or having these um, body dysmorphia or um, mm -hmm. body dislike. So what are some of the steps yeah. to begin mm. this process as an individual so that it hopefully can become more of a collective. Yeah. Well, I, I genuinely, I mean, this is actually a yoga principle, you know, this concept of Swadhyaya, Pratyahara, that when we actually just become aware is, mm -hmm. is actually the first step. And it sounds so boring, but it's actually, I would say, biologically and, 
energetically true that when we have self-awareness, we start to shift. And there's a beautiful parallel in that actually the process that I teach or what yoga really does is the act of being self-aware begins to change the experience of the moment. So truly the first step is to be able to really have the capacity to pause and to be aware that in this moment, I am stuck in a concept that my body is an appearance. I'm stuck in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way of relating to my body that is how it looks because of how I've been trained. So first interrupt by being aware and then you've got to replace it with, okay, what is your body actually like? And what I am here to preach, my friend, is that your body is an experience. Your body is, yes, a brilliant biological experience that if we just pause and reflect on the reality that 37 trillion cells are all doing their thing without you thinking about it at all, I mean, just that alone, like it's just when we pause is a nice kind of reset, but we can, we can tell ourselves that over and over. Like I can tell myself I love myself, but when the inside is, I can't, I hate myself, that's just an empty exercise or even an invitation to remind myself how I don't love myself. So yes, we can acknowledge the miracle of the body, which I think is just fun. We can just kind of nerd out and talk about like, do you realize that you have a whole system that's devoted to releasing waste? <laughs> I mean, it's phenomenal. It's like, you know, do you, do you realize that you have a whole system that is like in every cell of your body that's helping bring oxygen in and out, all of that. But that's well and good. But what needs to happen next is you actually have to connect to the experience of it. And part of that is in fact, recognizing your mind isn't necessary for it to function. And so that's a little bit of an aha moment and it helps you shift into, okay, what is your actual experience of it? And doing things like getting on your mat and actually paying attention to what your breathing is, getting on your mat and actually paying attention to how your calves feel today or the sensation of your feet on the ground or what it's like to lift your arms. One connects you to the experience of it, but then also connects you to your natural intelligence about it, what it wants to be well. Because that's all that we're really here to do. I mean, I would suggest that all we're really here to do is to become ourselves in the most satisfying, deeply peaceful, nourishing way that we can. And what better way to do that than in the actual experience of what you're living in, which is your body. And so it completely shifts. Wait a second. I get to go to my mat. I get to go live my life. But like the mat to me, it's like it's your magic carpet ride into shifting out of your body is what it looks like. It's such a beautiful, perfect Petri dish, you know, that yeah, yeah, there you are. Yep, you're surrounded by people, but who cares what they look like? How do you feel? How do you feel? It's, I suggest, I believe, and you know, you can, anyone can believe whatever they want. That's the whole point. I believe that what you feel is actually a missives from your soul. And if you believe in the, some of the principles of yoga, like who you are is actually also a divine creature. And so what you're feeling is actually your divine self sometimes shouting at you, hey, this is really good for you, or this is bad for you. And being able to pay attention to what the difference is, you know, that whole thing of sustaining a posture when it's uncomfortable and being able to pay attention to what's painful or what's discomfort, I mean, man, what, what more incredible opportunity is there for you to actually refine, listen to your soul? And so 
I think I just said a lot of different things, but I get very excited. I love it. I love it. And I, 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 I totally um, echo what you say about the body. I'm always just even waking up feel, and I think it's being a physical therapist and having seen so many people yes. who has ha who have had significant um, yeah. injuries or insults to the body that that changes their life, and and um, always being determined that um, I don't have to get to that place before I really respect all the things my body does for me without even asking. Mm. But it is such a, it is what's carrying us through the world. It's what's mm. engaging us with the world around us. And it, it seems so uh, oxymoronic to insult it, to, to be hard on it, to be challenged, you know, mm. to really, it's a burden. And I think that I imagine that um, mostly women, I'm, I'm sure men have it too, mm. but women that are having these body issues, not liking their body, it probably increases anxiety and oppression. I'm sure they're interlinked. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with when you're, when you're teaching mm -hmm. someone in one of your workshops or working with a private and mm -hmm. the, all, all the other things come along with it, the, the feelings mm -hmm. of anxiety and, and, and mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. being able to really yeah. sense that their body is a safe place. Yes. Well, thank you. And well, there's so many different wonderful pieces of what you said, um, but specifically to that, you begin with the body. And, and, you know, as you know, as a physical therapist or as a yoga teacher, starting with your body is actually a very complex thing. And learning how to regulate and soothe your nervous system in this complex body is where you have to begin. And, you know, and there are, there are many traditions and steps. You know, I have a system, you probably have a system of how you actually do that is, is not an obvious thing. So you actually start with the experience of your biology. You, you start with the experience of your body and learn how to self-soothe. In fact, I mean, I, I've worked in jail. I've worked with, I've worked with murderers. I've worked with people with um, uh, severe physical disabilities. I, you know, I was a psychotherapist. None of, it, none of it is meaningful until we can actually sit with some connection to how to actually feel some way to be okay and to feel safe, to feel grounded. You know, in the yoga, the chakras, you, know, you start with just where you are. And you've got to make it be as, as okay as you can. Everything I think that's really intelligent to to actually go to the places that feel uncomfortable because there's just a blockage there that your body yeah. is really wanting to welcome you, your connection. And it's, there's yeah. an invitation always present and sometimes it feels vulnerable to take it, but yeah, you have to first connect there yeah. to help. Yeah. Like you said, feel grounded and safe and, and almost rebooting the nervous system's historical responses to things. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, when I, I mean, I, in my own trauma and then in working with many incredible people over these years of people who have trauma, you know, we, we don't get to resolve it unless I can, unless we get to just sit where we are, stand where we are and be able to feel that I can breathe, to be able to feel like I know that in this exact moment, I'm not being hurt. 
And, <clears throat> and that, that applies equally to, I'm not going to be able to genuinely pay attention to say whether or not it's a physical injury or an emotional injury. I can't really pay attention to what it's telling me it needs for its wellness until I can be okay paying attention, until I can be okay just <sighs> literally. I mean, the body, the body is everything in my world. And I agree. I, it's, it's everything in my world too. And people just, dis, you know, disconnect body and mind. It's, it's really a disservice because you're not going to get to the heart of everything. And that, that yeah. wonderful um, integration of these systems that are one, that are one. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite one of my favorite examples because I am a, a sci-fi fantasy nerd um, is thinking about Harry Potter and there's a scene when they all stand at the fireplace and they throw the powder in and suddenly they're at like you know Diagon Alley whatever there's the little joke in there but um, until we can do that the only way that we get anywhere literally this is not metaphor this is not some like woo spirit talk is in our bodies, right? I mean, because we have bodies, we are alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we just pause and reflect on that, you know, the thing that makes us alive is when we take our, our first, well, that's also, I suppose, political, but I, oh, I'm, I'm breathing. I have like, I have substance. I have like this weighted thing that I'm walking around in that is with me every second of my living experience. So it's like, you know, and how, like it's gotta mean something. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's gotta be your best friend, you know, and, yeah. and because there's no one else you're living with that is the same amount, like you're talking about. No, do you, right. Yeah. Do you have a memory um, of when this first took hold of you? Did you have any kind of epiphany or like, yeah, really, this is, this is how I'm going to heal myself and help others? Yes, I definitely did. And um, it was in movement. For me, it was when I was dancing with um, a regular practice and I wasn't doing ballet or gymnastics, which I had done growing up, but there was a right step and a wrong step. It was moving in an authentic way. It was actually discovering that there was in me um, a capacity to actually feel my body that felt good. And um, it, it, it really, it happened over a period of months, but I'll never forget a moment of like, oh my God, I have a body. I'm like, oh my God, I have a body. Now, what also happened was, oh my God, I'm living a life. Wait, is this the life I want to live? Wait, what am I doing living here? I mean, it really was like, I, wo I, I woke up. You woke up. Mm. I mean, and that expression, which is so common, really is exactly what it felt like. It was like, my kind of like blinked my eyes. I was like, holy cow, I'm actually here. And that, and that was like when I was 40, Laura. And I, you know, I had spent my whole life, um, pretty much outside of it and not knowing it. I think sometimes we get to a point where we realize, yeah, I don't really, I mean, I work with someone who's like, no, I'm not connected. I don't really feel it. And I would like to feel my body, whether or not it's because of intimacy or an awareness that I can't be in a relationship, which is part of what I, which is sort of what I'm doing right, a lot of right now. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that sometimes we don't even realize that we're not connected. So how do you, yeah so how do you bring some of those tools into your the work you do? You connect the body. Yeah. When you like if you send somebody home with exercises, can you mm -hmm. give us a couple of kind of those those 
um, practical tips that people would do on their own? Um, yes. Well, start with the body scan. Start with something that you can, you know, pick up. Um, I mean, I actually have some on Insight Timer, but, you know, you can do any. <laughs> um, start with just paying attention to what you're actually physically feeling. You've got sensation in your body right now. If you just shift your focus and notice exactly, like right now, I'm aware of my left hand and my right forearm. I can actually feel that my hand's a little bit cool. I can tell if I just pause, I can tell that, you know, my knees are bent or that my back has a little bit of an ache because it's early in the morning and I haven't stretched. You know, that you, you physically pay attention to what physical information you are having right now. And everything goes from there. So that, that is fundamental. And you have to practice being able to tolerate that information because if you have trauma or if you um, just aren't used to it, actually doing that can be very triggering, which is why you've got to go back to actually start with the first step, which is knowing how to soothe yourself. And once you can do that, now you can practice actually paying attention to how you feel. And then recognizing that really doing that, at least I know that for me, for most of my life, and even today, you know, I mean, this is what I go around talking about, teaching about, I'm passionate about it. There, I spend a lot of my time happily disconnecting and disassociating. I love to watch television. I love to eat toast. I love to, I mean, I got all these great ways to just numb out. And so increasing our tolerance for actually what we feel is also a process. Um, and that also requires steps. Like I've got to, I have to practice that. I have to practice with what's not comfortable. Um, I think that's great to give yourself permission though, that there's maybe a sustained discomfort is not going to be, you know, capable that one day or something. And that, you know, don't also, no if you do want to numb out in front of watching something that it's, yes. you don't have to judge yourself over it either. Absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. But, the, and that's part of this process of, self-awareness of, of what I would call well, yoga actualization or freedom or liberation is being able to be sovereign and make choices about when you're doing that. Like I'm very clear, like I have in my system at the end of the day, I like, I probably watch every episode of the Golden Girls maybe four times. That's kind of my go-to soothing. I just love my girls, you know, and, but it's conscious. It's not, it's not what I know I spent the first 40 years of my doing, of my, of my, of my life doing, you know, you, you get to actually choose. You get to choose when you, and in what way you soothe. You get to choose in what way you are feeling the, the discomfort, which is in fact the next step, which is that when you are showing up for it, now you have like the information about how to change. Now you got the information right to go back to, wow, I am like really attacking myself right now. Now you're off to the races about actually what intervention to make. You know, now you've got information like, whoa, I actually hear the voice of my mother. Whoa, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly back in seventh grade surrounded by the girls laughing because I'm the fat girl. Whatever it is, now, now you get to go to the next ooh, uh, healing transformational process. So yeah, start with the body scan. So in a way, feeling it is, is a prerequisite to healing it. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I, I, might, I might have to tag that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. 
Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it was 30 years back or three years back or in that moment. Yeah. What do you think about um, how how do you advise people to handle the prevalence of diet culture and messaging mm. from media that, um, yes. you know, even if bo- there is more body acceptance, like how mm-hmm. is it best just to not look at it? Is it when you look <sighs> at it, see it for what it is, which is paying someone to tell you you need to do something and you need to buy something to be a better person. It's like, that's the way I look at it, but I I understand that that is not necessarily how everybody else looks at it. Um, Oh, that's such a, boy, that's a whole, that's a whole topic, isn't it? In fact, like in the program, we have a, we have a whole chunk of like food. How do we interact with the food? And, um, you know, God, there's so much to say. And, Here's here's the short answer. No one gets to tell anybody else, anybody else what's right or what's wrong. So part of what your right is is trusting that I'm going to follow this model that makes me feel better. Bless you. Do it. You know, and if what works for you today doesn't work for you tomorrow, bless you. Do that. Change. Be dynamic. And so, you know, it's kind of perfect because I know that when I first started my yoga journey and started some of this, you know, kind of healing process. I thought I was going to go nuts because I, I literally had one of my mentors who was a Chinese medicine practitioner who was like, I have to cook all your food. And then I was over on the other hand, I had a mentor that was a raw foodist. And I thought, well, oh my God, I love both of these women. They're both alive and vital and brilliant. What do I do? I mean, it was like, it was a real crisis. Well, today maybe I'll cook or but here's, here's what I did and here's what I think you do is you pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. Just pay attention to you. And then we're back to where we were. Actually to notice how you feel when you eat cabbage. Actually pay attention to how you feel when you eat meat. I know that for me, I was a vegetarian as a yogi and a Hindu practitioner. And then I became a mother and I was like, damn, bring on the steak. And then I let it go because I felt like I needed to. And now I, I had a, I was like, ooh, I think I want, I mean, I don't want to upset any of your listeners. I was like, I think I want blood. <laughs> like, this yeah. is you know, so, But but here's here's what's here's why this whole process all is such a beautiful symmetrical thing is that to do that is hard to actually pay attention and to give ourselves permission. Right, it's much easier to get a little cookbook recipe, follow step by step, versus well, what is it that you want? What is it that you feel? Well, and thank you, and that's the other, and then of course. I feel like I'm promoting my program, but this, but it's a system. The system of how we wake up is also then actually learning how to tolerate what you want. Like actually being comfortable with our desire. Whoa, now we're in a whole nother area. To actually have room to tolerate want. I think there's nothing more powerful than you can ask somebody than what do you want? What, what do you want? And that's such a hard question, right? Ooh, I mean, it is. Yes. It's a hard question for a lot of people. Yes. They'll be like, well, I don't know. What do you think about, you know, it's like they yes. really comes back and you realize like totally. people aren't going, they aren't going in to what, I, what might feel right or what, what yeah. their voice oh is telling God. them. They really oh want the God. answers given to them. Girlfriend, I got, I, I got it going on right now. I have this beautiful partner whom I adore and I'm thinking, I think I want to be alone. Like, oh my God, I'm scared to death to tell him. I'm scared to actually want what I want. And, um, and I mean, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but I, 
hello, honey pie. I love uh-huh. that. You know, to have to work through that is to actually continue to tolerate my own personal desire. Whoa, that's hard stuff. And so when we talk about food and diet, it's complicated because we are surrounded by so much information. We're surrounded by so much, quote, authority. And, and what's tricky is that so much of that authority can be right to those people and to that in that moment. Like, you know, this whole thing of being connected to ourselves, which is really all that I do, it's like that, or I think that yoga really does, you just can connect to yourself, right? Yoga, union, this body self and the divine self is that we are also unique. And so, I mean, my no one gets to be right anymore. We only get to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a, well, okay, that's scary. I kind of don't really, I'm, I want someone to tell me the right way to do something. I want someone to make sure that I'm going to be okay. It's scary being ourselves. That's, you know. I think that's really a very important concept. Yes, it can be really scary. And, and it's part of like that, what you mentioned before, sitting with the discomfort of that feeling, but not reacting by, by doing what somebody else says you should do. Yeah. 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 I mean, mm. I mean, oh, the layers of it are profound. You know, I know as both a teacher, yoga teacher and a yoga student, you know, as a teacher, I would often encourage like authentic movement. Like, you know, you adjust. It's it's critical actually for your practice. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm preaching the message, right? And then I also know that I had this one student who would always stand at the front and always do everything that I didn't say. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was completely off in his own world. And, you know, eventually, and it was really distracting for other students. And I had to say, you know, yes, thank you for listening to the message, (laughs) like doing your own thing, but it's actually really hard. So why don't you either go to the back or to then inquire, is there something going on? Like, cause for him, it was actually, it was almost a commitment to not do what the class was doing. And so, you know, I was like, well, you know what? Let's like actually do the real Swadhyaya. Let's real do the real self-study. Are you actually doing the thing that your authentic self wants? Or is there some other, this is, is there some other story going on that it actually, I kind of, I, I'm i mad because I want to, I'm still mad because I don't want to do anybody else because I don't really trust anybody else, you know, which is actually what his story was. And so you, what, where, where does that take me? I'm not sure where it takes me, but this, this, well, this. That, that it's good to have a structure, but then allow some of that individual creativity, freedom, whatever it is, come into it as well. Yes. Well, I think actually without no. going like yes. being distracting to others, if you're in a group class. <sighs> yes. And I think that actually is, I mean, this is a little meta, but I think that where we are as a species right now is I ultimately believe that we are, we are one love principle. I believe that there is a oneness and that is the one truth. I don't think that we can feel it yet, but I think that we're working towards that consciousness. And, and ultimately when we are fully expressing the truth of ourselves is when we're actually going to feel our connection to others, right? Because Mm -hmm. if we are already connected, the, the refinement, however, of being ourselves is I think is where we are struggling with as a, as a planet right now. How do I tolerate loving someone whose politics are completely opposite from mine? How do I tolerate, um, you know, the, the mess that we're in? And so on a meta level, I think that we are figuring it out. And so I think it's messy. It's like, you know, three, three steps forward, one step back about, I do want you to have an authentic practice, 
but make sure that please that you're not doing it in front of everybody else who's trying to do their practice while <laughs> I'm offering something which is actually put your foot here or it's going to help with your knee there or whatever. So, you know, so, but it's, it is, it's messy. And, and I think that ultimately, who are you? What do you need? What do you want? Is, is the clarifying process to get us to love, to get mm. us to connection. So. Uh, those yeah. are great questions. So tell us more about how someone can find you and your program and the things that you offer for any of the listeners here. Thank you. The best way to find me is just to look, connect with me on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, because I'm always posting things there. I have a website that you can contact me. And I have a program, which is very specifically for um, diving into this, to be able to go from I feel like I don't like my body or I'm disconnected from my body to being actually ready for intimacy. And so there's an arc um, that we go through these steps and we go deep and we do it in a group because I also think that when we get to do it with each other, it's a powerful transformation practice. We know this, that practicing alone in our room is very different than practicing in a group. To have the experience of being able to hear another woman say what you feel is mm -hmm. powerful. It's, it is. And saying it, the truth in front of people, yes. it like augments the accountability of that. And, and the, yes. when you say something to be true, even if it's been scary, it's less scary because it's not being held back and saying it in front of other people is probably the scariest thing. So talk about like working on being braver and more courageous with this, you know, end goal or goal that you want of, of improving your connection to yourself and, and your idea of your body and its worth and all of that doing in a group, I imagine is very powerful. It is powerful. You know, it occurs to me because I, I don't know, I always imagine on a podcast, I always imagine whoever's listening is on a walk, like listening <laughs> yeah. on a headphone. A walk, so a drive, say, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so um, what I would also love to do is anyone listening who would like just a free copy of my book, um, either Love Your Body or Your Body is Your Superpower. I would love to send to your listeners, just tell me that we said hello from your podcast. And oh, I love that. Get in touch with me, just Janet Farnsworth at Yahoo. Let's just do that one at Valley Four. Janet Farnsworth at Yahoo.com and say, we, I heard you on the podcast. Send me your book, please. And I would love to send you my book. What a gift. What a gift. What a gift that, that you're offering and what a gift you're giving to the world. Because mm -hmm. they're, um, everyone is not, you know, we, we're, we all have some residue of the things that we've been told or conditioned to believe. And um, people are at different places in this, in this quest to really feel that our body is our home. And so I mm -hmm. so appreciate you've dedicated your years here of, um, mm -hmm. for helping others to find that so that we can all, yeah, once we're really loving our own home, we can really feel, like you said, the unity that we're in this yeah. together. And, and what a, you know, what an amount, I, I don't want to say a terrible amount, but, but like so much energy is wasted on mm -hmm. not liking ourselves. Oh. And if we can redirect mm -hmm. that, uh, especially in the world today, it would be like into good energy that's making, yes. you know, compassion a high priority. And it's yeah. nobody wants to spend that much time not liking themselves, but think about the amount of energy mm -hmm. that's expending. 
Yes, 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 yes. It's extraordinary. That goes back to that research study. 36 times a day, mm. like every hour, every hour of, of, of a siphoning off of creative energy, of, of, of peaceful energy, of love. Mm-hmm. It's, it's extraordinary to think about what could happen if we weren't beating up ourselves. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mix, right? So thank you. So Janet thank and you. I both want all of you to take the time and really sit with yourselves and feel mm-hmm. the true, it is, it is a miracle, our body, how it's working for us, um, even as we are not always nice to it, mm-hmm. and really treat it as this um, sanctuary that it is. So begin your journey and check out more on Janet. And I appreciate your time and your beautiful mm-hmm. energy. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a joy to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. And for everyone listening, as always, and especially today, I'm pulling for you. Mm-hmm.